Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, another wonderful summer episode. I think this is summer episode four. Boom. So, a lot good, of summer good, things. Good thing we didn't forget about it. Oh, brother. Yikes. And then you'd have to <laughs> forgive us. Oh. Thank you for forbearing with me, men. So, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what have you, you guys been up to? Well, Andy's saying I'm really dumb buns. <laughs> That's kind That's of what par I for the do. course, though. That is par for the course. Oh, <clears throat> uh, boy. I've been working around my house and teaching a class and going on vacation and... Let's see here. When is this going to be airing? So I will have just <laughs> finished uh, Family you're not Camp already One. Where we do pre-record these. Yeah, sometimes we try to make it seem like it's current, and then Doctor Little's like, "What is this going to air?" Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> good enough. I just finished teaching uh, <clears throat> speaking at Family Camp One. <laughs> you that... can't do that now. We know you're in the past. Yeah, you're he's just, lying. You're, he's you're, lying you're speaking proleptically. I don't even know can't. what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> We've all traveled places. <laughs> We've interacted with the uh, sun because it's the summer. That's right. And on that note, uh, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. <laughs> books in business. Let's talk about some books. Okay, I'm going to go first. This is way out of left field. Ooh, I like but, left field. Uh, I guess now since the cat's out of the bag on when we're recording this versus when we're making it public, <laughs> a, a few weeks ago I went on a road trip out west, and in preparation for that, I did some historical reading Ooh. to try and figure out some landmarks of some places I might want to see, and I did go to those places. I will go. I can. <laughs> you're listening to this. I have gone to that, but I'm planning to go. To them. I really so, think we just need to have a DeLorean to get into, get to 88 miles an oh, hour, brother. go to the future, <laughs> record, and then come. Okay. Sorry. Isn't it funny how 80 miles an hour was like a fast speed it back when that back movie was made? <laughs> it had to be Back to the Future 3 where it's like the wild, wild west. I know. Yeah. And you're going west. I'm See? going west. Everybody with your flux capacitors, oh, let's brother. do this. So what I was reading about was I was reading about a famous mountain man whose name in, he was played by Robert Redford in a 1972 film called Jeremiah Johnson. His actual name was John Johnston. And uh, he is famous for more or less having a personal vendetta against the Crow Native American tribe. And so the book I was reading that was a compilation of other mountain men's stories about him is called Crow Killer. And in the legend of... uh, (laughs) Legend of this man. Wow, and this is horrendous. This is, I mean, this is really left field. I pulled it. Wow, this is <laughs> yeah, like is. more left field than my... But okay. this is like Dr. Bowder. You know, he likes reading some of those Westerns yeah, and blood. mysteries and things. That's right. And, and there is... And I, I have a connection. So I had previously mentioned uh, Chesterton. And uh, one of the things Chesterton talks about is how there's never great myths written about cities. There's never like a Wall Street myth. He actually literally says that. Chesterton does. But myth is always about like going out into the country and it's the shepherds and the mountains and like these big, like fanciful huh. nature things. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's not like these bustling civilization things. And it's just interesting. Like there's something in us that is drawn and, and, and there's reason. Chesterton gives reasons for why he thinks that, but we're not talking about Chesterton. We're talking about crow killer. <laughs> We could go over to the Bible for that, actually, too. It's actually in the scriptures with nature, within the Song of Songs. Okay, everything bad happens in the city, 
where everything beautiful and good happens out into the, in the country. So there's like this desire to go out into the country. So Chesterton's looking at it from a mythological, but even from a biblical perspective, it's like go and enjoy the country. Now we're going to have some horrible transition to crow killer or whatever. Well, but. no, but that's it's really funny because what where where do almost all dystopian novels and movies take place? Mm-hmm. Generally in giant cities. So that's really funny that you know you go out in the. The, the prairie land or the west or whatever and it's nice and then like in cities it's okay sorry yeah and this is not as left field i, I give not, you credit yes, I, 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 I had to okay, think about Tim. it's left field well so what i was but thinking it's a good about kind of left field what i was thinking about was how this character which is is a modern like this guy jeremiah johnson has become a mythological figure like to like like me like probably half of the things I'm reading about him are not true. Okay. Mm -hmm. But some of them are. And then it's, it's translated through these stories about someone. And then here's this like propped up figure. And there's this like admiration to like go where he was and go Uh, see. And like, it's just like, to me, it's like a living example of like the power of myth and how it might not even be rationally true, but it does make you feel and, and realize that there's something out there you want. And so just maybe like, I mean, it's a guilty pleasure thing. Like I grew up watching old Westerns and that time of thing. And I watched this movie probably three or four times a year in our household. Um, Crow so, killer. No, it, the movie's just called Jeremiah oh. Johnson. It's about a mountain man. He just oh, goes so out, goes out West and starts trapping and all that, all that stuff. And it, I mean, just, you know, full disclosure, like it's probably not a super kid friendly movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, even though I watched it as a child, <laughs> but uh, I mean, child in loose terms, probably double, double digits. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's something I've been re- reading in, in conjunction with the trip and got me thinking about mythology. So that's my book. So if you're into Westerns and like that kind of, oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. And actually I wanted to mention this during books and business too. We mentioned a few episodes ago, Andy Stearns wrote this article for the Baptist Bulletin. And I just want to throw out there because most of our listeners are college students. If you are a college student at Faith, you can get a free subscription to the Baptist Bulletin and they will send that to you for free. So you go on their website and you can sign up and you can get a student sign up and it'll even say on there, Faith Baptist Bible College. You can sign up for free and then get Andy's article that we mentioned a couple episodes ago. So just want to throw that in here too. But that's really cool. Does that, is that true for like faith staff and stuff like that? I don't know about staff. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's fine, but that's really cool. But they do staff, that for students. we do have them in the mail. Yeah. That's, I mean, I usually just go over there and grab one. I so. did that. I grabbed them from Very there. Very nice. Very nice. Anyway, you want to, you had a comment and then okay. you can talk about your book too. No, <clears throat> I was just going to say that if you're into Westerns, were you like a, did you watch Gunsmoke when you were young? Yes. See, I watched that with my grandpa, and like the duel at the end was always like the coolest thing. Bonanza. Bonanza was fun. Gunsmoke. Uh, Rifleman. The Rifleman, yep. yeah. See, I wasn't like into all that a lot, but I kind of exposed. I'll make one more comment, and then we'll move on. When I was a kid, we had a, a video rental store in Williamsburg, and uh, actually the guy that owned that, Jerry, uh, goes goes to our church. I, I don't go there anymore, but went to Harvest. And so Jerry's Video Arcade, and... Uh, when we would have a babysitter come and watch my brother and I, we would always get to rent a video. And this was a, a VHS tape. Oh, man. Okay? And I would always pick some, like, so. cartoon, comedy, some, like, new movie that's supposed to be, like, fun. My brother would always get a Clint Eastwood movie. 
And he would usually get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know what was bad about the good, the bad, and the ugly? I don't know. I've never seen that one. It was a two VHSer. What? It's like the Lord of the Rings where they've got two DVD discs. But good, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly couldn't fit on one VHS tape. It was two VHS tapes. It was that bad. And, and every other time that we'd have a babysitter, one of us would get to watch our movie first. And so, like, every other time, I'd have to sit through this double VHS monstrosity <laughs> waiting to watch my movie. Monstrosities. I, I grew to love them, too. You mm. know, but anyway, yeah. So Man, I grew up watching a lot of that stuff. VHS, like, when you had that, like dedicated rewinder device to like rewind them. Oh man, those are okay. But that's probably not what our listeners classic. All right. So the book I'm going to highlight, I'm again, I'm not really reading much right now. It's just very busy. I'm updating classes and creating stuff. I'm reading a lot of commentaries on prison epistles at the moment. Um, but I teach a class on the cults, uh, like Jehovah's witnesses and Mormons. We've also in the past talked about the SDA and Christian science, we also cover Roman Catholicism, but it's uh, if you take the classics, you ex- I can explain why they're in there. They're not a traditional type cult per se, but it just fits in the curriculum. But there's this really helpful book. It's a guide by Zondervan called uh, Unmasking the Cults, and it's by Alan Gomes. And it's, I mean, this is like, it's no more than like, it's 93 pages. And what it does is there's a whole bunch of these little mini uh, Zondervan guides, and it's just an outline. It's a really thick, dense outline with at the top of each page, it tells you the section you're in, and it's designed to give you quick information about whatever the cult is. So this one's just cults as a whole and like what they are and how do you define them? How do you actually define what a cult is? But I have the Jehovah's Witness one and the Mormon one. And so if you're interested in some sort of a resource that gives you quick information, it's not going to be the thoroughest, um, but it's it's speedy. These little guides by Zarnavan on the cults are really helpful. So I was using this just to get really acquainted with the cults when I started the class like I don't know, six or seven years ago. Um, And I really enjoy it. So this one by Alan Gomes I like because he makes a really good definition of cults, and then he just kind of surveys them all. So it's called Unmasking the Cults by Alan Gomes, and uh, I would recommend it. Okay, my book today is actually a youth fiction series. It's called The Imagination Station. Imagination Station. Uh, it's put out by Tyndale. Um, if you might be familiar with Adventures in Odyssey. So this is a book form. There's like 26 or 27 in the series. My son's been reading through them, and uh, I've been working around the house and trying to think through what, um, how to keep my kids busy and from fighting and whatever else while I'm trying to get work done. So I had my one son read. Uh, to me. So um, anyway, he's reading through the series and he had book number 21. And I just wanted to talk about the series a little bit. And they're rated for about a two to three year or second to third grader, rather not a two to three year old, a second to third grader. And uh, it's an interesting age level. It's when a child is starting to read. And so they are chapter books. And I wanted a chapter book for my son to begin reading. And it's actually worked quite well. And so I would recommend the series. Um, They're safe. They're Christian. They're going to promote Christian values. And uh, they're fun little stories. Now, he struggles sometimes following the storyline. And um, as he was reading it, I was actually surprised a little bit on some of the words that were used. So, for example, there's this one uh, paragraph I just was blinking through quick. Patrick felt calm and confident. 
He trusted the machine now that wit was there. He knew he wouldn't land in a lightning storm or a tsunami. Now that kind of a paragraph might just be like, okay, whatever. But when you're trying to hear a seven, eight-year-old read the word tsunami, well, it's a little hard. And uh, pigeon, and there's just some words that as he was reading to me, I picked out, you know, most of the time I think he just glossed over them and kept going and didn't know what the world they were. But um, so anyway, it just kind of illustrates too, uh, I, I found it actually really helpful after he started reading out loud, because then it helped him uh, learn some of these words. So I'd still recommend the book, but be aware that some of the words that they use, I mean, they could have used anything in that sentence. Why is it a lightning storm or a tsunami? I mean, forget the tsunami, put like, a, you know, a tornado or something would be an easier word than tsunami. So um, anyway, that's my books in business. Okay, the Imagination Station series. The one I have here is Madman in Manhattan. He just finished this one, book number 21. Uh, He's smoking through them and encourage your children to read, whether it's the Imagination Station, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, um, or some uh, biography. Encourage your children to read. That's really cool. We, um, I can't remember the reading curriculum we used, but it, it taught you to read using like a phonetic spelling. And then once you knew how to read the words you need to pronounce, then you would learn to spell them the correct way. It actually took, it's like when you use uh, training wheels to teach the kid to ride a bike, then it's not like having to learn all the traits at once. But the end of that book had a list of books that you could read and there'd only be like two or three more words you'd have to work, learn for each book. Mm-hmm. And it was, a lot of them were like magic treehouse books. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's nice. I didn't know about that. I might grab a couple of those. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do a devotional for this episode, and uh, just so everyone keeping track at home, Tim brought up the Chronicles of Narnia in this episode. Charlie did not. Just it was to... a passing comment. Ooh, this is that's. <clears throat> so I feel like we're we have go to so Psalm many... 32. <laughs> Psalm 32. And uh, uh, I mean, since we've already had enough discussion of the timing of this episode, I am preparing. Uh, for a couple of classes in the beginning of June. This will not post uh, for a while. So I think this will be in July. So at the time you're listening to this, this will have already happened. But for one of these classes, we're focusing on preaching Christ in the Old Testament. And uh, and we have to preach a message where, um, well, I have to preach for a message for both of these classes. But the emphasis is to preach Christ from an Old Testament passage. And uh, I'm not exactly sure how I got to Psalm 32, but I've been doing a lot of study on Psalm 32 in preparation for that class. And so just really quickly walk down through here. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful psalm about uh, how we can rejoice in the forgiveness that God offers us, which it's pretty easy to uh, <clears throat> preach Christ from a passage that talks about forgiveness of sin. But so let's just start with what the psalm says. So it starts off with a mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Salah. 
I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. So stop there just for now. Uh, we start with these two parallel verses where it's the first word is blessed or happy. And what is a blessing? And then there's these uh, substantival participial phrases. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. It's literally to be lifted away, Nasa, whose sin is covered, which I thought that's kind of a really interesting pictures to go together there. There's one that's a lifting away. And then one is like to cover something is like to put something on top of it, you know, all right. Um, so to lift away whose sin is covered. Verse two, again, blessed, happy is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. So he doesn't uh, consider the guilt against the person and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And so then it transitions away. So very, very clear first two verses, like forgiveness of sin is a really good thing. He's going to come back to this at the end of the Psalm in uh, verse 10 and 11. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad. So there's the rejoicing again. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And it's really interesting where the psalm starts is it's not upright. Verse one, they're not upright people. They're sinful people. And what has happened? And that is actually, you go back to verse two, and you notice that one of these phrases is not like the other. To the one whose transgression is forgiven, the one whose sin sin is covered, the man against whom the Lord does not count iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That last phrase, the in whose spirit there is no deceit, is not something that the Lord is doing to the sinner. It's something about the sinner. And what does it mean for the sinner to not have deceit? And that is actually where it transitions into verse three through five, where he is recognizing oppression. So verse three, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And I don't think that's a literal statement. It's poetic, but where are the bones in the human body? It's on the inside. The inside of David is just wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Verse five, this is where the no deceit comes in. There's no hiding. There's no lack of communication with the Lord. He turns. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And if you look, those are the same three things mentioned in verses one and two, the sin, the iniquity, and the transgression. And what did God do? God forgave the iniquity of my sin. We'll keep reading. Therefore, because of this, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. So, uh, so uh, verse six is really interesting. Again, like, just like in verse 11, there's the upright in heart. And verse one, they're not upright. They're sinners. They're, they're sinners in need of forgiveness. Here, what does it mean to be godly? It's not the lack of sin. It's the proper response to my sin. It's where the deceit goes away. It's I'm not hiding my sin to the Lord anymore. I'm turning to him in repentance and confessing 
There's no deceit. There's nothing hidden. I'm going to the Lord and he is forgiving me. And that's what it means to be godly is to pray to God in repentance when I've sinned, when I've transgressed. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of little details here in the middle of the Psalm that we could focus on. Uh, I, I haven't really come to a, a conclusion on it, but if you look at verse six and uh, verse nine, I think there's some poetic parallel ideas going on here. The one who prays to God in verse six, when the flood comes, the waters won't get to him. They won't reach him. Uh, and it's a different Hebrew word, but then down in verse nine, it talks about how the animal, the horse, uh, has to be pulled. It won't come near you unless you pull it. So it's this like kind of parallel, parallel ideas of coming near, um, which is, I, is pretty interesting. It kind of jumps out to me when I read it, but I haven't come to a conclusion on it yet. I just think it's interesting. Uh, to finish out here, we haven't read verses eight and nine yet. And this is like a very typical statement for like a, a, a proverb or like a sage to say, like, I'm going to instruct you now. He's, he's shared this like assertion of blessing. Like this is what it means to be blessed. And then he shares testimony. When I did this, I was wasting away. And then I acknowledged my sin and God forgave me. And now he's instructing the reader. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. What is he saying? Learn from my mistake. Mm -hmm. Do not waste time wallowing in sin when you could turn to the Lord now. Ask for forgiveness and God will give it. Hmm. Because the blessing that you don't have right now is because you haven't turned to the Lord with the sin. Mm -hmm. And blessed is the one who is forgiven. And uh, then you finish it out. We'll read it again. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So as I'm preparing this for uh, the, the sermon in class, I think the two big points are going to be repent and rejoice. And you rejoice because you know you're forgiven, but you're not forgiven if you still hold that deceit. You don't turn and acknowledge your sin to the Lord. So a great reminder of the need of repentance and uh, a great blessing that when we do that, God always forgives. So what do you guys think? Any thoughts on Psalm 32? I think the part that's jumped out at me, and I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen this in guys I've talked with and counseled with, um, when you sin and you commit, you know, whatever the sin is, it's, you know, something you've committed a thousand times or it's just one thing. The minute you understand it, you can have this idea that if I, if I confess this to God, he's like mad at me and he's not going to forgive me. And why should, or, or even like, you know, he'll forgive you, but why should he? Because you've sinned like this before 10, 50, a hundred thousand, whatever times. And so even if you, ask forgiveness, there's like two competing temptations. The first one is to do some sort of self penance to make yourself feel like you're worthy of God's forgiveness, which I think is patently wrong. And it's just a worksy kind of thing. But then the second thing is like you, you ask for forgiveness and then you're assured of it. Either whoever you're working with is saying, no, no, God forgives you or whatever. And then you kind of wallow. Like you don't actually rejoice in the forgiveness and then you don't get up and just start moving forward. You kind of feel like you just have to like lay around and be sad. 
And I thought that was really helpful here that David's saying, like, if you're forgiven, rejoice, like get up, rejoice and go back to living for the Lord. And I think that that it's like a freedom, like you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work it. You don't have to like ask for forgiveness and know that God accepted it and then get up and go. Like you ask forgiveness and then get up, rejoice and Mm -hmm. walk with God. And I think that's a hope filled thing that a lot of people who have like sin they're dealing with, you can really feel like you're drugged down by that. Yeah. The, you know, you highlighted the word, the deceit there in uh, verse two, in whose spirit there is no deceit. I think that's a really good observation in that um, what we often do, I mean, one of the responses to sin is also just that we um, reconcile it. We don't say that it's really wrong. It was somebody else's fault. We make a gazillion excuses for it. Um, But that doesn't resolve it. And so the Holy Spirit and our conscience convict us of it again and again and again. And so what do we have? We have that lack of peace within us. Um, And so um, personally what I try to do and what I've encouraged others to do is to specifically pray, Lord, reveal the sin in my heart. Um, I've been lying to myself. I don't want to lie to myself anymore. Tell me where I've sinned, what I've done, and then may your spirit empower me to seek that forgiveness. Because if you've been deceiving yourself and tricking yourself and and uh, confusing the issue for so long, you know, as the Holy Spirit brings that sin up again, the temptation will be to deceive yourself again. And and um, that the Spirit would empower you to actually seek repentance, talk to whoever might need to be talked to, take the necessary steps to have victory over whatever that sin might be. Um, so that deceit and, and that connection to it, I thought, was a good observation. Yeah, I, I, on that same line, I remember reading an article on the Webernet. Um, a guy, he's like, a, I know, he's a... On the web. <laughs> well, that's from, the a, net. that's from like an old school uh, YouTube. Keep going. Okay, I think anyways, you had something sorry. good yeah, to I say. Did. And I then... do. This guy, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so this, this Christian speaker said sometimes he'll have this vague sense of guilt and he won't know why he feels guilty. He doesn't really want to read his Bible. And so he'll pray what you just said. He'll pray. And then sometimes he'll pray and nothing will happen. And so the what he did is he started to do this like... Instead of saying, what sins might I commit, he starts looking at the positive things God asks him to do. So like the Great Commission, mm-hmm. love the Lord your God with all your heart, whole mind, and strength, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, uh, put your life on the altar and be a living sacrifice. Like he'll just start reading through those. And usually going through that, the Holy Spirit starts revealing sins that he didn't know about. Right. And he's, he said it's he's these, this vague, dark fog of kind of like hovering over him would coalesce into these columns of specific sins he hadn't seen, and then he could confess and deal with it. And so that's interesting that you're connecting that to the deceit in the passage and, and self-deception, you don't know about it. So I appreciate that. This has been very helpful for me. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to read a Psalm like this. And it, it is certainly true that sin manifests itself in physical action. It's like, I do things I'm not supposed to do. But, and I don't know, I'm sure someone else has, I've been working on some discipleship materials to be, to use with college students. And I, I, I'll use, I hatched a phrase the other day, I was smithing some words Ooh. and, uh, the phrase came out that 
You have habitual sin because you have habitual desire. And that when we read a psalm like this, it's so easy to frame, oh, yeah, what did I do that was wrong? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's actually, I think, a lot of Christians who have been trained, in a sense, to not do the thing, but they still want the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And to not even know how to grapple with that on on a level of affection. And, uh, and, and that's where, when I kind of get stuck on days, I think what well, you're just saying, and you need to focus on, okay, what, am, what am I really loving? Yeah. Yep. And, and to realize, you know, well, I might not be able to articulate the depth of the idolatry in my own heart, mm. but I can know this, I'm not loving God with all of my heart right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and to look at my relationship with the Lord in that sense and to him as a person, actually be broken over the fact that I don't love him the way I should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that, that again is a, you know, to rejoice knowing that he forgives me and that he always loves me and he's faithful to me, even when I'm not faithful to him is, is really a blessing. Mm-hmm. So any closing thoughts? It's mm-hmm. good. Okay. See you next week or no, two weeks, two weeks, two. I'll cut all this out probably. <laughs> No, I won't. I'll leave it in. No, you won't. You never do. Listen to you next time. Well, we won't listen to them. They listen to us. (laughs) Listeners, we love you. Have a great day. It's tough to close an episode. (laughs) Just close. (laughs) This is the whole thing. Keep going. Tim's annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.